John's Gospel, the first chapter. John's Gospel, the first chapter. And remember Sister Norma, who's scheduled for an operation uh, on the day after Boxing Day. What's that, Thursday? Thursday. And uh, so is that early morning, do you think? Half seven in the morning. All right. Are you going in that morning or are you going in Wednesday? You're going in, okay. So please remember her that uh, everything will go well, successfully. And it'll be, uh, she'll come through that with flying colors. So John's Gospel, chapter 1, and just reading the first five verses only. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing, nothing were made, sorry, all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Two things are absolutely uh, essential for all human beings. We must have light, and we must have life. Uh, we must have breath in our physical bodies to live. And we must have light uh, to grow plants for food. But in order just to live uh, beyond the purely physical dimension, uh, then we must have spiritual light and spiritual life. Spiritually speaking, of course, this world as you know, is in spiritual darkness. It's in death. Although to itself, it appears alive, dynamic, progressive, and exciting. And it is absolutely true that uh, tremendous advances have been made in, in the sciences, all of them, uh, in the world of medicine, and of course technology, which is frighteningly fast, and great strides have been taken in travel, communications, industry. And in less than 100 years, we have gone from Orville and Wright uh, on Kitty Hawk uh, to men walking on the moon. We've gone from horse and buggy uh, to all kinds of exotic travel all over the world and jet planes. And of course, we've gone from quill and ink, to emails, and texts, and Twitter, and Facebook, and all the rest of it. And yet, for all the amazing creativeness, and inventiveness, and brilliance of man, man's hopes of a brighter and better tomorrow uh, has not really uh, worked, because we still live in spiritual darkness and death. In spite of all that man has done, brilliant as it has been, new diseases ravage our planet, starvation and war, stock donations, abortion on demand has slaughtered countless millions of little human beings. Ireland and England have the highest binge-drinking culture in all of Europe. There's a report in the paper just yesterday about Newcastle, and they call it Black Eye Friday. 
And at the NEs are full and the police stations are full of young men and young women who are just absolutely horrendously drunk. Venereal diseases has gone through the roof. In spite of the so-called liberated society that teaches safe sex to school children, statistics of child abuse and, and rape are frightening. Violent crime, including murder, is an absolute nightmare for law enforcement. So can there be any doubt whatsoever that we are living in a world of spiritual darkness and death? But it was into such a cruel, dark, sinful world that Jesus came. I remember that when Christ was born, he was born into a very barbaric, pagan society. And yet, he was born in a, in, a, in a generation that was highly creative, that was extremely inventive, the Romans. The Romans built viaducts and aqueducts that if you go to Rome, you still see them standing after 2,000 years. One of the things that fascinated me when I was walking through Rome was you take a drink out of a fountain, the water you're drinking uh, comes through... <laughs> water canals that the Romans built over 2,000 years ago and they're still flowing into that city to this day. And so they were incredibly brilliant and bright people. They opened up roadways and all the rest of it and yet Rome ruled with an iron fist. Millions upon millions upon millions were slaughtered all over the then known world as they expanded their empire. Tens of thousands of Jews were crucified publicly for all to see. Their cruelty and their perversions knew no bounds. Even Herod, that puppet king of Judea, even he slaughtered all those little baby boys, little infants in Bethlehem to try to stop the Messiah becoming king. But in the midst of all of that darkness and death came Jesus to bring two things, to bring light and to bring life. And the darkness could not overcome it. Isaiah chapter 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Isaiah 9 and 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. In Matthew chapter 4, Verse 12, now when Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has 
dawned. Prophecy concerning Christ, of course. In Luke chapter 1, Verse 76, Zechariah's prophecy. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. This is regarding John the Baptist. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide her feet in the way of peace. And so we see that Christ was to come to bring light and is to bring life. Like the old uh, Carl, O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angel voices, O night divine, the night when Christ was born. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. What a light came into the world 2,000 years ago. And you know, at Christmas time, we we put on extra lights. We decorate our homes. We decorate trees. We light candles. All of it signifying that a light has come in to the darkness of this world. It says the light shines in the darkness in John 1. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 6 says, But if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to those who are lost, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe that the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservant for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't it a truth that the moment you get saved, from that moment... The Holy Spirit enlightens us to the gospel and the meaning of the gospel and the glory of Christ. From that moment, you see things differently. Perhaps before that, we couldn't understand. We were blind. We were in unbelief. But suddenly, something supernatural happens to us. The light of the glory of Christ comes into our life, and suddenly we see things clearly as we had never seen them before. That's the light shining in the darkness of our hearts. Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 12 before that, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance, and I like this phrase, of the saints in light. Thank God you're no longer in darkness, but you're walking in light today. Ephesians 5 and 8. For you who were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk, therefore, 
as children of light. The Bible is very explicit. The world is in darkness, but we are the light of it. Christ has made us the light of this world. Since he went back to the glory, he has made us the light of this world. If this world is ever going to see the light of the gospel, they're only going to see it in us. That's a scary thought, isn't it? They're only going to see it in us. Philippians 2.15, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. So in our workplace, in our home, in our neighborhood, we're to be light. And people need light. They need light to see truth. And you and I are the ones that should be giving them the light. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 5, You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. From that moment you get saved, your life changed forever. And not only did you receive light, but you became a giver of light. So what is spiritual light and what is spiritual darkness? Spiritual light is knowledge of God. Spiritual darkness is ignorance of God. There are untold millions, even billions alive today who are completely ignorant of the God of the Bible, who worship hundreds of other gods. Hindus has hundreds and hundreds of gods, including rats and snakes and monkeys and all the rest of it who do not know the true and the living God, completely ignorant of it. What a spiritual light is, spiritual sight. It's been able to see what God shows us, the truth. Spiritual darkness is blindness, whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine upon them. What a spiritual light it is, wisdom of God. What a spiritual darkness is the wisdom of this world. Hmm. What a difference. What a spiritual light is life. It's life itself. John uses light and life interchangeably in his gospel. Because <coughs> you can't have one without the other. What a spiritual darkness, it's death. When the Bible speaks of death, it's not just talking about physical death. Death is separation from God. That's the worst kind of death. What a spiritual light is a contrite heart. It's a humble heart. What a spiritual darkness is a hard heart. What a spiritual light is loving the brethren. What a spiritual darkness is hating your brother or your sister. In fact, John says if you hate your brother and sister, you're still in darkness. You're still in darkness. You may be the only light, spiritually speaking, in your office. And if you are, then that is a great responsibility on how you live your life before those who are in darkness. 
Because the only light they're going to get is from you. So there's a great responsibility on us if we're in that office. You say, David, you don't know what it's like in my office. You don't know what those guys are like or what those ladies are like. You have no idea. I have. I worked in a factory for many years after receiving. I know all about it. I had it all. <laughs> and I had it all thrown at me daily. But you know, the Bible says we're to be salt and we're to be light. And that just, you can't be just salt and light in church. You've got to be salt and light out there where there's the darkness. And so maybe God has got you especially placed in that office or in that classroom or in that university lecture hall or wherever it may be that you are or among those business people. Maybe that's where God has got you to be light for Him there. Be nice and comfortable in church. But whenever you're out there in the world, it's a different story. Now, light is a, a phenomenal thing. Natural light. Sun is 93 million miles away. It takes, what is it, just over eight minutes to reach us. It's an incredible thing. But light needs something for us to see light with our natural eyes, with our naked eyes. Light needs something to reflect off. And so whenever that light from the sun reaches this earth, as soon as it hits our atmosphere, suddenly we can see it. And we know it's there. The moon that has no light of its own is a reflector of sunlight. In fact, it's a perfect reflector. It only reflects 7% of the sun's light upon the earth, which gives a nice little warming glow. Imagine if it was 50%. You'd never sleep at night. It would be really, really bright. You'd be looking blackout blinds. And if the sun didn't reflect of the moon, you wouldn't see the moon. You wouldn't even know it's there. Be invisible to us. As soon as it hits it, it reflects. Did you ever notice how the moon is all cratered? It's all dimpled. Perfect reflector. Look at the tail light of your car. It's all dimpled, isn't it? To reflect that light, to scatter it. And we, in a sense, are to be like the moon, our reflector of the Son of God. We could never reflect 100% because of our humanity. But we can reflect enough to give light to those around us. And that's what God wants us to do. In Matthew chapter 5, Verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. 
Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Now light both reflects and refracts. In other words, if you hold a mirror up to the sun, it will reflect the light. If you hold a prism up, the light will refract through it. One it will bounce off, one it will go through. Much, a prism works much the way a, a, a raindrop does. When the sun shines through it, conditions are right, you get a rainbow. It, it breaks up into its different wavelengths of light, different colors. And so God wants us to be a reflection of his sun. But he wants his light not just to reflect of us, but to refract through us into its different constituents. In other words, we can be this to that person, we can be that to that person. Like the colors of a rainbow. Divergent. As a reflector, Daniel 12 and 3, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who... And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and forever. Genesis 1 verses 14 to 17 tells us about the sun and the moon and the stars. And it said there, it was put, they were put there to give light upon the earth. I haven't time to go into this this morning, but actually where God placed us in this galaxy is the perfect place for after has just the right amount of light. The stars are right distance from us to give us the right amount. Right amount. The big massive stars are far enough away that they don't trouble us. Most stars are binary stars. Most stars actually are two stars that go around each other. Ours is one, which is great for us. Imagine if you had two suns. How'd you cope with that? Say in Northern Ireland, we cope pretty good because we don't get much of the one we have. Maybe another one would do as good. I don't know. And God has placed us there with the right amount of light and day and night just for us. Perfect for us. This is a wonderful picture of the believer in Christ. The Bible says we're seated in heavenly places in Christ to give light upon the earth. But what is a refractor? Well, as a refractor... Light shines through us, doesn't it? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So one way or another, light can shine through you to touch somebody's life. It may be a word you say, it may be encouragement you give, Maybe in the right place at the right time. It may be help that you offer. It just may be some way that can touch and reach that person's heart. Then it says the darkness cannot overcome it. No matter how dark the night, the dawn will come. Amen. It will. It will. No matter how difficult the season is, there will be a turning point. There will be a breakthrough. 
It's coming. The trick is that you have to hang in there. You have to keep with it. You don't give up and you don't walk away. You may feel like it, but you don't because the darkness will lift and the breakthrough will come. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by in any means hurt you. What a wonderful promise from Jesus himself. So hang in there when the going gets tough and you feel like quitting and it seems like everything's against you. You hang in there because it will turn. God will see to it. Sure, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. But God has given us armor to wear in those occasions. So that having done all, we stand. And we don't give up. And we don't give in. It says the darkness cannot comprehend it. The original word here for comprehend has various shades of meaning. can mean to take hold of, to grasp mentally, to understand. The darkness cannot understand the light. It cannot grasp it. And that's why sometimes you talk to people and it's as if you're talking to that. They just don't get it. And you have to pray for the Holy Spirit to open the eyes that they get. Because otherwise they won't. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Well, let me read in verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And so ordinarily... In the usual course of events, unless God opens the eyes, they're just not going to see it the way you see it. And so that's why sometimes you can witness and you can spout away and you can talk away and it's as if it's just going right over the head. And sometimes it is. But if you pray and say, Lord, help this person by your Holy Spirit, just open their minds and let them see this truth of your word. It's so important that they do get it. It can mean to seize hold of with hostility. To seize hold of with hostility. Now the enemy may come against you. He may try to seize hold of you with hostility. But that's why Jesus said, I give you power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. 
If the enemy had free course over your life, you wouldn't be sitting here today. <laughs> but he hasn't. And we're not in his hands, we're in God's hands. Amen? And so he's given us power over him. The darkness can't comprehend it. To take hold of it can mean to seize hold of or to overcome. The darkness cannot overcome the light. In 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Now thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And the darkness cannot overcome it. You will triumph in Christ. And you will overcome the darkness that comes against you. That's the promises of God's Word. But you have to hang in there. Your natural flesh will want to quit and give up and say, it doesn't work, it's not happening, everything's against me. And when those thoughts come flooding in, you have to look to God's Word and say, no, the darkness will not overcome me because the light of God is in me and it can't overcome the light of God. Never can. Now here's a paradox. How can men who have been given light have no light? How can men who have been given light have no light? John Phillips, a great writer, says, Every man, every person, all without distinction, all have some light. Those who have received no written revelation have the light of creation and conscience. In other words, those who had no Bible. But they have the light of creation and conscience. They can look at creation. Romans chapter 1. Then he says, God gave the Jews the added light of covenant and commandment. Out of all the nations of the earth, God picked Israel to be in covenant with. And he gave them covenant and he gave them commandment. So that extra light. But then he says, Now God has given to this world the light of Christ. So no one escapes one or other of the source of light that God has made available. The Holy Spirit sees to that. God holds people responsible for the light that they have. Huh. So everybody has got some light from God. Should it be those who are out in the jungles of the Amazon? They can look up and they see creation. They can look around and they see creation. But they chose to worship the creature rather than the creator, Paul said in Romans. People in this country, in this nation, no matter what town or what village you drive through, how many churches are there? How many Bible bookshops are there in this country? We are absolutely without excuse. How many tent missions? How many evangelistic crusades? How many people goes to church on Sunday morning with their Bible under their arm and their neighbor sees it next door? It's a witness. It's a testimony. 
So we are without excuse. That's what Paul says. How do men with no light, men with light have no light? John chapter 1 again. Let's read on a little bit from where we left off. We'll soon be finished here. There was a man sent from God. This is verse 6 of John 1. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that had, and that, bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Ha. Huh. His own creation did not know him. Hmm. Did not know the one who walked upon the water. Did not know the one who stilled the storm. Did not know the one who supernaturally broke bread and fishes to feed thousands of people. Did not know the one who raised the dead, who opened the blind eyes and made the dumb to speak and the lame to walk. Amazing, isn't it? Did not know him who raised Lazarus from the dead and his detractors not only wanted to kill him, but they wanted to kill Lazarus. Can you imagine if you knew somebody in your town that was literally raised from the dead and had been in the grave for four days that you would want to deny Christ so much that you want to kill the evidence? And here is the creator of the ends of the earth. He came among them and they did not know him. His own countrymen did not know him. You know, at this time at the Advent season, at Christmas, we think of Christ and how meanly he was born. And you think of those who waited and waited and waited on his coming, pouring over the scriptures for centuries, knowing that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. And yet when he came, they missed it, didn't they? They completely missed it. They did not know him. They did not know the day of their visitation. Of course, if he had came to Jerusalem, if he had been born in a palace, if he had took up arms against the Romans, <laughs> but he did none of those things. Isn't it interesting how God came as a little baby to a little town to a little couple who were very, very poor. To live in a little town. To grow up as a carpenter. All the little things. Not the big things, but the little things. It's the big things that get our attention, but God often deals in the little things. That's what he sees. And because of the little things, they missed it. <laughs> Completely missed it. John 
following. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Let me finish with this. John 5 and 4, it says, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. The word for overcomes is nikos. Same where we get Nike from. Nike means victory. Nikos simply means to conquer. For whatsoever is born of God conquers, overcomes the world. And this is what overcomes the world, conquers the world, even our faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's the currency of heaven. If we're ever going to get anything from God, it's only going to come by our faith, believing in Him. Yes, it's all of His grace. Otherwise, we'd never get it. But how do we reach into heaven and receive? By faith, by believing that He is who He says He is. So here we are today, light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. What a wonderful Carl that is, isn't it? What great words. So thank God He did come. And thank God for the light that He brought. And most of us walked in darkness for a very long time until the light of the glory of His gospel shone on our hearts. And then we were changed forever. Aren't you glad for that? Glory to God. So we're going to pray. We're going to break bread together. We're going to thank God together for His mercies, which are new and they're fresh every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Glory to God. Kenneth's going to come and he's going to lead us in communion.